0: So you've seen a lot of different ministries there, a lot of different names, uh, and here's the thing about it. Uh, There is no two people could do together what all of us have done together uh, and continue to do. So I'd like to to express my gratitude and thankfulness for being here and being with a group of people because I have served in civic organizations and and other types of of, uh, clubs and such, that it usually is about 10% of the total group of people that does all of the work. And that's not the case here. Uh, it's far more than 10% that is out there in serving in these ministries. And I want to thank you for that. And I think you deserve to give yourselves a round of applause for everything that you do. So let's give ourselves a little bit. And truly, we're fortunate as a congregation to have so many people that's willing to serve in so many different ways. And uh, it's a blessing. And, it, and just as uh, that last slide portrayed there, that we're out, uh, we're doing the Great Commission when we do that. And everything that we do, and it doesn't matter what slide your name was up there, and if your name wasn't up around the slide, if you're praying uh, for those folks, if you're able to, to offer some kind of encouragement or stuff, you're part of that as well. And uh, I just want to say that I'm proud of you. I'm proud of everybody here. I'm proud to be associated with you. And I'm proud to be serving the Lord with you, certainly. Now, as you might have guessed, this morning's uh, message is going to be about Thanksgiving. And if that was your guess, you were correct. Uh, in fact, I want to ask you a question. What do you think of when you think about Thanksgiving? And are we up to? Yes, there we are. Uh, Eating, football, long weekend shopping, maybe the history of it, family get-togethers—that used to be the normal thing. And now we're—it's how many are we having over? Is he going to? Somebody going to report me? And then who does he think he is? And and all of those things, folks, I understand and get it. But what I want us to remember and understand above each and regardless of how your Thanksgiving is going to look this year. Whether if it looks very, very similar to what it looked like last year, or if it looks very, very different from what it looked like last year, or somewhere in between. Thanksgiving is so very much more than this. Thanksgiving is so very much more than what we're going through as a state and the county and the nation. And that's what I want us, because just like all throughout this course of the year, it is so easy for us to become distracted with all of the things that's going on around us. It's so easy for us to become distracted and lose sight of what Thanksgiving and Christmas and the other holidays truly is. And that's what I wanted to look at this morning. Uh, It's a distinctive holiday, yes. Thanksgiving. It doesn't commemorate a war, a battle, or someone's birthday. It's simply a day that's set aside to express our thanks to God. A national holiday set aside to express our thanks to God. George Washington, you may or may not know this, George Washington in 1789 made a public proclamation saying this, it is the duty of all nations to acknowledge the providence of Almighty God to obey His will, to be grateful for His benefits, and to humbly implore His protection and favor. That was George Washington, the father of our nation. Uh, We we hold such great reverence as Americans. He recognized the necessity not only of this nation, he said all nations should set aside a day, basically, to give thanks to God. Well, Thursday, the 26th of November, 1789, was that day. That was to be Thanksgiving Day, the first actual coming from the president. Of course, we know uh, about the pilgrims and the Indians, 1621, uh, long before Washington's proclamation. Uh, And even before that, God's people offering up praise and thanks to God. In fact, that's what we're going to look at this morning. This morning, we are going to study in its entirety Psalm 100. Don't run out because I know some of you are thinking, oh my gosh, those psalms are so long. We're going to be here all day. It's five verses. That's <laughs> all it is. But So you're thankful for that, right? That Rob picked a short psalm to study today. So there's one thing for us to be thankful about. But if you want to go ahead and turn over to Psalm 100, Uh, And we'll read that together here. And then we're going to look at some things about this psalm. The psalm of praise or psalm of thanksgiving. Some of your Bibles may have it it, uh, listed differently. Psalm 100 says this. Make a joyful shout to the Lord, all you lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know that the Lord, he is God. It is he who made us and not we ourselves. We are his people and the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful to him and bless his name. For the Lord is good, his mercy is everlasting, and his truth endures to all generations. And in this psalm we can find five keys. Uh, that describe or have the essence of thanksgiving. And I think probably more now than ever, we need to remind ourselves of these things because as I said, it's easy to lose sight. It's easy to lose sight when we have restrictions that tells us what we can and what we can't do versus what we're accustomed to doing for thanksgiving. But I often wonder if maybe we hadn't lost a little sight Of what thanksgiving truly was anyway. Because we find out here. As George Washington says. It's a day that's set aside. Basically for worship. To thank God for his blessings. To seek God's guidance. To seek God's protection. And we know that it's evolved way beyond that. To these days. So let's look at five keys. To giving thanks this morning. The first, and we're just going to go verse by verse because each verse has a key in itself. And this would be a good psalm for you to mark in your Bible uh, to go back and study and and remember and, and to look at. The first verse says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Joy. Joy. Of course, I know that's one thing that we seem to be missing a lot right now. As a nation. But listen, folks, as individuals, as Christians, we should be joyful regardless of our situation. As Paul says, found himself content in whatever situation that he was in. But we as a country, we can, and we as individuals, we can get excited or have joy or anticipation to a big ball game coming on. We can have joy or anticipation, maybe uh, going on a trip or on a vacation or or some kind of uh, event that we really look forward to doing, but then we don't have joy when we talk about God. We don't have joy when we come into church in the mornings. We don't have joy when we pick up our Bible. We don't have joy when we sing. Why, Why is that? Why is it that things in this world that really have no bearing on anything in our actual eternal destiny, we could be joyful about. But when it comes to to picking up a Bible or a songbook or walking in a building or, or discussing with friends, the joy for some reason is just not there. We shouldn't be walking into our churches like we're walking into a funeral home because that's not what God intends. That's not what the psalmist is talking about. He doesn't want us to be people without joy. He, he calls us to be people with joy, looking for anticipation, serving and worshiping with joy in our hearts. Well, why should I have this joy, Rob? There's so much going on around. There's, there's all of these rules and regulations and, and news about this and news about that. It's just hard to find joy. Well, you're searching for joy in the wrong spot. You're searching for joy in this world. Now, there are times all throughout our lives we've had joyful times, haven't we? Happy times, good times, and we've had bad times as well. But here's the thing about it. The consistency of God's word and the consistency of his promises is what our joy should be based off of. Now, we're going to look at these points, and they're going to build upon each other. So if we have joy in our hearts and that joy is founded off a relationship, that joy is founded off trust in God, then we can truly be joyful people, even in times that are not so joyful around us. And look at verse number two. He talks about gladness, the psalmist does. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Now, one thing that, that... reminds me of this I don't know if you remember the slide where I where I had up there it said church fun and, and I had the pictures of everybody for from trunk or treat this year. everybody had a smile on their face. Everybody had a smile on their face because we were here because we were together because we were serving in some capacity. There was no long sad faces. There was there was nothing nothing droopy about anybody. everybody was happy. We liked seeing each other dressed up in their, in their outfits. We loved seeing the children come. We loved being able to hand out the, the stuff to the kids. We were serving with joy and gladness during trunk or treat. And that's what we need to strive for each and every day is that type of feeling, that type of gladness, not Sadness. Not sadness. We as Christians though we will experience sad events. Okay? No doubt about it. We're going to see sad events all throughout our lifetime. But those events do not define us. Those events are just part of our daily walk, our lives. The gladness that we have, our relationship with God is what should define us. And then that makes us be able to have gladness. We are God's people we're coming in to be in the presence of God in the house of worship. We're coming in with the Holy Spirit because what does the Bible tell us about where two or three are gathered? It says, I will be in the midst. In other words, the Holy Spirit, when we gather here, folks, whether it's on a a Sunday morning with 44 like we have today or maybe a dozen on Wednesday or Sunday evenings or just two or three over uh, for youth group. God is in the midst of that. Gladness. Aren't we glad that God's with us? Aren't we glad the Holy Spirit is in the midst of our worship and joy? They build upon each other. Yeah, we we can go through sad times, but with the Lord with us, true joy, true gladness dwells within because of that relationship. Which moves us on to number three. Number three, and I just simply titled this one, There's God Is. Look at what verse 3 says Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people and the sheep of His pasture. Well, the first thing is that God is. God is God. God told Moses, "I am who I am," in Exodus three fourteen. He is God. There is no other description. There is no none other above Him. We're not God. No man on this earth is God, and I'm glad. I'm glad that God is God and I'm not because I'd goof something up. So that's what we have to realize and understand we serve God the end all, the highest, the most the I am that's who that is. He is the second point is in you see there in the second part is he is creator. God is creator. If you create something, then you are greater than that which you have created. And you have the right over that which has been made. He made all that is. I'm not telling us anything that any of us here do not know. I'm reminding us of what a mighty, great God we serve. What a mighty, great God that gives us promises that he will never leave us, he will never forsake us. A mighty, great God that says, I am sending my son to you, hear him. I am sending my son to you. Follow his teachings. And if you do that, I will give you eternal life. Those are the things that make us a joyful, glad people is when we realize that God is God. God is creator. And then the third part of that is God is shepherd. Now we've seen a lot of stuff over the past few months about sheeple and, and you're blindly a sheep, well I'm a sheep and I'm proud to be a sheep. And guess who's my shepherd? God Almighty is my shepherd. God is my shepherd and I am his one of his little sheep in his flock and that's what the Bible says. And that's nothing to be ashamed of. In fact, it's the thing that you can be the most proud of in your life is that you are a sheep and God is your shepherd. Think about what a shepherd does. Shepherd protects his flock. He provides for his flock, doesn't he? He tries to prevent any danger or harm coming to them. He provides what is good for the flock so that they will remain healthy and vibrant, do what flocks do, multiply. Well, we do the same thing. God provides for us the things that we need. He knows what we need before we ask. We ask for his divine providence and he gives that to us. He answers our prayers, though sometimes our prayers are not answered the way we pray them because they're not his will. Does that mean that he's no longer our shepherd? No. Does that mean that we're no longer his sheep? No. That means that our will and his will were different. And guess who's in charge? The shepherd. Who, who among anybody here that's ever raised any kind of animal and you put a she- uh, that animal inside of a fenced-in area and they decide that they want to get out, you don't say, well, okay, I guess you had a right to make your own decision. You get out of that fenced-in lot. I'll just let you roam and do as you want to. Nope. We work real hard. Sometimes we call friends and families, come over. Hey, I've got a cow out. Hey, I've got a goat out. Come and help me get them back in the fenced-in area because the shepherd has the wheel." The shepherd says where the sheep stay. And thank God for it. Thank God that the shepherd watches over his sheep. So God is. God is creator. And God is our shepherd. We can have gladness and joy just thinking about those three things. But there's more in this psalm. There's more that the psalmist talks about. The fourth verse Oh, I got ahead of myself. The Lord is my shepherd. I'm sorry, Austin, back up there. Psalm 23, 1 through 3. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He maketh me to lie down in green pastures. He leadeth me beside of still waters. He restores my soul. Who would not want that? Who would be ashamed to be called the Lord's? sheep when you look at the benefits of what our good shepherd does for us Jesus says if we're ashamed to call his, uh, confess his name before men what will he be ashamed to do he will not confess our name before his father I'm not ashamed to confess God I'm not ashamed to confess Jesus Christ as my savior Because of the benefits and the love and the sacrifice that his Father in heaven and the Son who was obedient and the Holy Spirit who dwells with us provide to me on a daily basis. I'm not ashamed of that. I'm not ashamed of the gospel listed in the New Testament of Jesus Christ because it's the only thing that has the power for salvation for men. I'm not ashamed of those things. And because I'm a sheep, I have the benefit of those things. So you call me a sheep all you want to. You just don't forget who my shepherd is. Someone rightly said this, and I don't remember where I got this, but I thought this was so very good. If we are created, he is creator. If we are sheep, he is our shepherd. If we enter his courts, he is our king. If we serve him, he is our master. I am dependent upon God. He created even the air that I breathe, and he knows every hair on my head. He knows every beat of my heart, and I thank him for being God. I am dependent upon him. And that's how we need to live our lives, folks, with that acknowledgement of who God is and how important he is to us in our daily lives. Kind of sounds a whole lot like what George Washington was talking about, doesn't it? In his proclamation. He was a smart man. Four. Thankfulness. Verse four. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his name. Now you can't give thanks. You can't truly be thankful or about giving thanks unless you are thankful. And thanksgiving flows from a thankful heart. It does. In chapter 7, let's see here. 17 of Luke, verse 11 through 9. I don't have a slide and I'm not going to read it. But if you want to read this sometime today, you you do that. I encourage you to, to check up and make sure what I'm telling you is accurate. Jesus walks into a town and there are ten lepers. They call out to him and ask them to heal them. They have leprosy. Jesus tells them to get up and go their way. go to the temple and show themselves. And the Bible tells us as they walked away still with leprosy, they were healed by their obedience. They were healed by their obedience. And then what happened after that? One of those lepers, when he realized that he had been healed, one of the ten came back and thanked Jesus fell upon their, his knees and worshiped him, in fact. And one out of ten came out. He was thankful for what God had done, what Jesus had done for him. Because he had a thankful heart. He had thanks in his heart for what had been provided to him from God. And that's what we need to remember. We need to be thankful to God for what he has done. As the sign down there says, count your blessings, not your troubles. We all have troubles. Some of our troubles look the same. But you know, many of our troubles are different from person to person to person or family to family to family. We've got plenty of troubles, but we have so many more blessings to be relying upon. And let's remember our blessings. We sing that song, count your blessings, name them one by one Count your blessings. See what God hath done. Let's count our blessings. Let's be thankful. Let's leave our troubles. Come unto me, all ye who are weak and heavy laden, weary. I will give you rest, Jesus says. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus promises us, and it is. Let's take those troubles and exchange those heavy troubles for that light burden. For the yoke of Jesus, which is easy. Let us have true thankfulness in our hearts. Which brings us to verse 5. Gratitude. Gratitude. And, you know, I think generation to generation to generation, that is something that is being lost in this country is, is gratefulness. That word's being replaced with entitlement. Check and see if I'm not true. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. We ever think about that? The Lord is good, He's always been good. He's never been anything but good. His love and mercy is everlasting. And everlasting. If, if you go back and you read the, the scriptures, the people that trust and call upon him, he has shown mercy to all through the scriptures, all through every account that we have. Mercy is part one of the great qualities of God, a holy God, a righteous God. But he has mercy. And that truth endures from generation to generation to generation to generation. The truth stands when the world will fall. We think about the generations that's come through these doors. Whether it be up on the hill, down below the hill, down at the creek. They've been preaching the same love, the same mercy, the same truth for as long as this congregation has been meeting together. And you know what they, before that, it was still all true. Now, a lie don't last that long. Something that is not true, something that has no basis to it, does not last that long. For 2,000 years... The gospel of Christ has been preached in the same manner. The message has not changed. The subject has not changed, and the outcome has not changed. It must be truth because a lie could never survive that long. And so it's everlasting, from generation to generation to generation. Listen to what Paul writes in the book of or the, his letter to Rome, eleven verse thirty-six. This gives us the grandness of God. He says, for him, through him, and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. It's all about God. It's not about us. Though we have benefits, though we have great benefits beyond what we will ever really be able to comprehend in this life. It's about God. It's always been about God. It's been about his love, his mercy, his compassion, all of the creation that he has done. All that has been created is by him for his purpose and for his glory forever. And amen, as Paul says there. So our praise, our thanksgiving, our worship, our lives, it has to be directed to God. We must be thankful for what he has done. And notice there in Psalm 100, five short verses. Look at how many times God is mentioned or referred to as Lord, his, or God. Okay, we're going to read it again. I'll read it again through. Psalm 100, verses 1 through 5 in the entirety. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. Fifteen times in five verses, God is referred to. It's about God. And let's remember that it's about God. And when we remember that it's about God and that he loves us and he wants what's best for us and he's going to provide for us, then we can have joy. We can have gladness. We can know that he is God. And we can have thanksgiving and gratitude in our hearts, Thanksgiving this year, with all the preparations, with the events, that, you know, there's still going to be events go on. There's still going to be excitement in some areas. And yes, there's some rules. My prayer is that God is thanked, that God is thanked with joy and gladness with thankfulness and gratitude and with a heart that is dependent upon him. Because we truly do have so much to be thankful for, regardless of how this Thanksgiving looks. In fact, I'm not so sure that, and I said this a little earlier, I'm not so sure that this Thanksgiving may not look more like the Thanksgiving that George Washington envisioned Because with these restrictions, it wipes out all of the other stuff that, man, that we have added to Thanksgiving. George Washington didn't say, and after you give thanks, go Black Friday shopping. Or watch football. Or pass out on a recliner. Did he? That's not what he said. George Washington said that the reason for thanksgiving was to acknowledge God's goodness, seek out his providence and protection, and that all nations and people should do this. It has nothing to do with all the other things that we're being restricted from. So I'm suspecting that what we are seeing is thanksgiving stripped back down to what it should be instead of what we have made it. And don't get me wrong, I'm not condemning nothing. I'm just wanting us to realize that we have so much to be thankful for and we need to get back to our roots, back to the basics of what Christians are. And that is dependent people upon God. We have a lot to be thankful for. This Thanksgiving and every Thanksgiving, regardless of how they work, look externally externally our thankfulness must be internal based on that relationship with God. Now, if you're here today without Jesus Christ as your Savior, he's, he's calling upon you. He's calling you to come and accept those good things. He's asking you to use part of my servant. He's asking you to come into the protection of being one of his flock and all of the benefits that that holds. He's asking you, let me be your shepherd. I will care for you. Hearing and believing, repenting of your sin, confessing Christ as your savior, being buried with him in baptism, receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost, remission of sins, and then raised at new creation. Joy and gladness is two things that will mark that person that comes up from that watery grave and then live faithful. Be the best sheep you can be, in other words. Now maybe you're already inside the fence. Maybe you're a sheep already, but you realize, you know what, I need to have a little more of Psalm 100 in my heart. I need to have a little more thankfulness and realizing that God is God in my heart, and I am going to make tomorrow, make today, The beginning of that. Well I encourage you to do that. That's why I'm preaching this message. (laughs) It's because I want us in the midst of all of the troubles that we have. Regardless of those things. God is God. We have so many things to be thankful for. Let's not let the external things going on around us. To diminish the fact that we have a God that loves us. And he cares for us. And he will never leave us. He will never forsake us, and he asks you if you will come to be part of his flock. We're going to sing uh, number 360, Why Do You Wait, the first and the third verse of this hymn. If you have a decision to make, would you come as we stand and sing?